To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Today's guest, Bun B, is an accomplished artist, uh, entrepreneur, visionary, uh, who is half of the iconic UGK group, plays a significant role in showcasing the amazing talents that's been birthed in his hometown of Houston, Texas. Uh, before we have him to walk us through his journey, I want to start with our key question, bro. When you hear culture, what does that mean to you? That's a great question. When people typically talk about culture, right, it's typically about the things that basically allow for human connectivity. Well, Bonding. Um, culture to me is more akin to commune, right? Communion, um, and not the, in the biblical sense, but just in the general sense of people coming together, talking, getting to know one another. It's typically culture that is the drawing point or the cue point for, for interaction and human connection, right? And so when we talk about culture, what are we talking about? Music, we're talking about paintings, right? Um, religion, identity, a lot of these things come into play when we talk about culture. Um, for me, if you don't share similarities in cultural expression, then it's very hard to build a lasting connection with people, hmm. right? So for me, we can be different religions, right? But if we're looking for the same thing from religion, then we can bond over that. Mm, community. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, food, right? It's a great place, uh, great representation of culture. Culture to me is the interpretation of representation, right? Mm -hmm. Of where humans connect, right? So if we look at art, you know, we may both appreciate the painting, but let's say it's a painting of a, of a boat. In a, in a body of water, right? You and I may both find it beautiful, but for different reasons. You may, you know, love how the boat has been designed and built out. You may love the water and how the water has been drawn in the painting. You may love the sky and the backdrop, or you may be paying attention to small notes in the people on the boat, if there are people on the boat. But we can both find appreciation in the same thing while looking at it somewhat differently, right? So to me, that's kind of what culture is, right? Like the ability, because uh, quite frankly, if you don't, if you don't listen to the same music, if you don't eat the same food, and you don't, you both aren't searching for some type of spiritual growth and maturity. It's very hard to build a lasting relationship with someone in that way. That's right. <clears throat> so culture allows us to identify ourselves as well as identify like-minded people in shared spaces where we can at least agree on what the space somewhat represents. And also appreciate the nuances of difference. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, because I may go to country and country western concert for a different reason that a person who has a much closer proximity to country music may go for. Right. I'm a Virgil Simpson fan. I'm a Chris Stapleton fan, right? I may not have a deep as deep an appreciation of country music as those that grew up in the culture. Right. 
But that doesn't mean I can't go to stagecoach and have a good time. That's right. That's right. And that's what culture is. Culture should be things that where even if we go in this space with the same intentions and see things differently in the space, it's not that much of a deal breaker. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You know, I had the opportunity to meet you probably about 25 years ago for the first time. It's probably uh, that long ago, right? No, dog. It's crazy. I mean, I literally remember it was, I was first starting my Nike entertainment marketing job. And we were both on a panel, I think, in the Marina Del Rey office in L.A., the, the illustrious L.A. entertainment office. And I'll never forget how blown away I was by you then, because I was only familiar with your music at that point and had no idea of your level of intellect, uh, awareness, savviness, and just passion for progression. And over the years, you literally have continued to further validate that moment for me. And you so reflect this, what I call evolution of, of black culture, way beyond just music, obviously. And, and I want to take a moment to really applaud you for being you, first off. And I hope this convo gives people just a small glimpse of what I've been blessed to be exposed to over the years by interacting with you, real talk. Thank you, brother. And so with, with the role you've kind of played, though, in shaping music and black culture as we know it to date, was there a particular moment where you realize just how big and instrumental this music and black culture was to shaping and influencing global lifestyle and landscape as we kind of know it today. Yes, that if we're talking about global, right, then that has to be that has to be Big Pimpin and the phenomenon around mm. Big Pimpin was not only my biggest record to date and Jay Z's biggest record to date. Um, at the time, I think it still is. Um, it was number one in the city I lived in. It was number one city he lived in. It was number one in the country that we both are nationalized citizens in. <laughs> one in countries that we'd never stepped foot in and countries where we don't speak the language. It was that monumental of a record. But even deeper than that, because of the way that it blew up basically for lack of a better term it became my international calling card mm. record became a way of me identifying myself in almost any room i have yet to go to a country that has a substantial nightlife that i've not heard this record in and i've traveled extensively around the world and i've been to pretty much a nightclub in every every city and country i've been in mm. and this record plays in that club and it plays in clubs that I've never been in yet, right? So I am allowed and afforded the opportunity to not only be in rooms, um, but also be represented as a black band in spaces where there's very little to sometimes no representation. Yeah. Uh, excellence and achievement. Um, this song has a very strong Middle Eastern tone to it. It's derived from a Middle Eastern record, which helped it resonate even deeper in those right. uh, where I'd never had any movement or motion in. And, you know, it really was a blessing in disguise because this record almost never happened. And <laughs> Talk I, about that. What do you mean? Well, I, I was up for it. Um, Pimp was not really big on the record. Sonically, it was, it was not only different than anything that we'd ever done. It was different than anything anyone had ever done. It was a very, right. very singular sounding record 
And it was so far removed from what we did and how we represented and presented ourselves that Pimp was, was concerned that many people would be hearing this for the first time on a song that didn't represent us sonically at mm. all, right? Now, we were able to do what we do because we're good at what we do. So we didn't need to, we don't necessarily have to rap on our type of music in order to make a successful record. But this was like the biggest push. And, right. Uh, biggest test of that, so to speak. But it, it, it ended up working out. And it's, to me, it really sends a message to younger artists about, you know, being open. Mm. I was going to say that. There, so when you decide to become a musician or an entertainer, there are specific goals that you want to achieve. If you're a musician, you want to get a Grammy nomination, right? But you don't think about the American Music Awards and the Billboard Awards and the People's Choice Awards. Mm -hmm. You don't think about those type of things. Um, you rate success based on the people that you would like to be successful as. And so your, your, your ceiling and your limitations is kind of based on where the people you look up to progress to. Not mm -hmm. knowing that you are inherently hindering yourself from the full possible range Brilliant. of opportunities to you. The only reason that I'm even doing what I'm doing now is the fact that I was open to it. Mm. And listen, that openness is a superpower. And that's why I tell younger artists, man, like you probably have a, a, an idea of what you want to do with your life. And God is, is laughing, right? God is rolling on the floor laughing at what is for you, not knowing that what you see as your ceiling is really your floor sometimes. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I knew that I was successful, right? I know that I, I knew that I had achieved success, but I looked at my contemporaries. Right. And saw that some of them wanted more, strive for more and actually achieved more. And the music, which I thought was the end all be all in the beginning, turned out simply to be a stepping stone. Oh. I would learn on that path and that journey to get to my personal goal would be lessons that would take me far beyond the realm of things that I had thought of, you know, available to myself. That's right. You know, so I was very lucky that I'd seen people transcend. So I knew transcension was possible. That's right. It was really about getting myself to the point where I was prepared to do it. Because in order to transition, you sometimes have to, to turn away, not necessarily from the old you, but from some of your old ways. Mm. Works in one space and is successful in one space may initially get you in the door in the second space, but the path to success may not walk on those things, cobblestones. You may have to divert off the beaten path sometimes because even though you're doing something that other people have done, it may not be meant for you to do it that way. And you have that to way. Open. You have to be open to that. <laughs> Which is such a great segue into how you are a living reflection of your words. And, you know, looking at hearing the story and decision as to why you got into now what we call the restaurant or the food industry with Trill Burgers, right? And I think you answered a little bit of what inspired you, but would love to hear from you as you talk about 
this initial chapter, which I, I could think we can say is the music piece, which you become this cultural icon within. But now it's evolved into this space of Trill Burgers and what you're doing in there. What inspired you to create a culinary experience, though? So here's the reality. Um, just being fully transparent with you, Aster, because we're like that. Um, after the passing of Pimp C, while I was still able to find success in the music industry, was still able to contribute to the music industry, I wasn't having the same level of fulfillment, mm. frankly. I had built a solo career out of necessity, not out of want. The only reason I became a solo career was because half of the group was in prison. Mm. And the solo career was the, the best way that I came to the conclusion of to perpetuate the group and keep the momentum of the group and also keep my friend's name alive so that when he came home, he would still have validity in the, in the market and still have awareness in the market, right? Um, unfortunately, those le lessons that we initially learned during his imprisonment became even more more of a real like a real world to live in because then it was temporary it's like i just got to keep it float afloat temporarily that's right but now we're dealing with a permanent situation and so i knew i was up for the task i knew i was capable of doing it um but there wasn't really a high level of fulfillment and i was starting to get closer and closer into phoning it in and so that's when I kind of stepped away for a moment. I started teaching, uh, co-teaching a course at Rice University um, and just stepping away from the music for a while. And my wife was like, look, I know it's not the same, but you've got to do the music again. Like, this is, I know you go to this job at the university during the day, but it's not your day job. And I told her, I said, well, it's just not, just not really fun anymore. You know what I'm saying? She's like, then that means you can only do music with your friends. She's like, so... You've got to find a, a friend of yours that produces music that you can sit and bar with. So I came to the conclusion that Big Crit would probably the best, be the best person for the assignment. We went in, we did music, and I, I felt reinvigorated again, right? God was creating someone else. It was new, it was fresh, and it was invigorating. But, it, but at the same time, I eventually fell back into the rut. And so I started working with other friends, Manny Fresh, Static Selector, Cool and Dre. Um, but none of these were leading to a permanent path to fulfillment, right? Quite frankly, it was just finding new ways of doing the old job. And then I was presented with this burger, with this opportunity, with this burger. And I had a million reasons to say no to this burger, right? But I had one good reason to say yes to the burger. And that reason was what if? Mm. Right? What if this burger is exactly what you think it is? Because I knew it was amazing to me, right? Right. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be the same to everyone else as it was to me. I thought it was some of the best food I'd ever eat. It was far and away the best burger. Right. right? It, it was probably some of the best food I'd ever eaten. Right. Mm. So it was just a matter of, you know, doing those first couple of pop-ups and making sure it wasn't me, that I wasn't tripping. That's right. That's right. And then once I realized the burger was actually what, what it was to me to other people, then it was a matter of putting it in front of as many people as possible and and for me the fulfillment came initially from just watching people try the burger seeing the look on their face when they bite into it how enjoyable of an experience it was and it almost became addictive in the best mm -hmm. way yep the best way right because now i'm just like i wonder if i take it here where maybe because initially it was very easy for, to get people that knew who bundy was mm -hmm. right 
But my thing was, if we're going to build a sustainable brand, then it can't just be me every time people buy the burger. And it can't just be people that know me and are fans of mine to buy the burger. Thankfully, the Good Morning America opportunity came where we were able to compete. Because um, I've been telling people we had the best burger, right? This gave us a chance to actually validate that statement. Right. right well, um, by actually winning a competition for Best Burger. And after that, the floodgates kind of opened with people wanting the burger. But then we had to start prioritizing where we would put it, where we thought we could get more out of it. Patient out of the circumstances, that's we went from a single day uh, model to a multi-day model, right? So instead of doing these one day, started looking into music festivals, which would afford us a multi-day, multi-day opportunity to present the product and build revenue as opposed to trying to get everything done. Because the same way, the same cost I have to, to incur renting equipment for a Friday pop-up is the same cost. If I do it on Friday, I can rent it for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Right. As much, but it gives me more of an opportunity to make profit. And so we just started doing that. And the other side of it is where there's three sides, right? There's the, the multi-days uh, model, which allows us to, to build revenue over several days. Uh, the second thing was with a lot of these music festivals, I even know the artist, the management, the DJ. I know someone with close proximity to a majority of these artists. So I That's right. Try to present the burger to people that way. The underlying thing that we realized was happening was that these music festivals, for, for example, at Coachella. Coachella takes place in, in Southern California, but it is not a solely Southern California festival. That's people right. All over the country and sometimes all over the world, depending on who's playing. This year, Frank Ocean played. Worldwide sensation. He does not perform often at all. So people from right. all over the world to this festival to see him perform. And some of those people got to try Trail Burger. And they enjoyed it on the Friday. They came back on Saturday and Sunday. And now they're realizing, man, what am I supposed to do when I get home? So they go <laughs> try to eat their burger and they realize it doesn't compare. So now they got to try to figure out when is Trill Burger going to open here in my town so I can get it again, or where is Trill Burger going to be at again, right? I found it at a music festival, which means I have a deep appreciation for music because I'm willing to make that deep of a financial investment, travel, all of these type of things to go to Coachella, right? So now, like the same people that go to Coachella probably go to Lollapalooza. That's right. Loud, probably go to Made in America, you know? And so we have these other opportunities where people see, like, so we went from petitioning people to be parts of music festivals to being petitioned mm. to music festivals. Why? Because we're a cultural draw. Mm. Talk about that, bro. Talk we're about that, please. This, this, this brand is not just a culinary brand because it's a burger, but it's a cultural brand because of how imbued it is with my personal culture, my musical legacy. All of those things are ingrained in this brand. I'm, I'm, I'm inseparable from this burger at this point, but that's not the whole point of it. The only reason that it works is because of how I'm seen mm. I'm in, and I'm inseparable from my burger. Then nobody's touched in my burger. That's right. Because I've been able to build up a trust factor with people with 30 plus years of service. You know, this taught me Asher that all these years I thought I was in the entertainment industry. I'm really in a service. Your service, bro. You are so service. And I thank you for saying, because you beat me to the punch, bro. You are so in the business of service in God's work, bro. Yes, you know what I'm saying? And so 
my thing is that I've I spent 30 years of, of building, presenting, and to a certain extent, catering a product to a specific group of people, right? Because my genre of music was so... It was just, it wasn't as broadly accepted initially as it is now. Yep. It was, it was such, a, it was, wasn't even a full genre at the time. It was a subgenre. Right. A, it was almost a niche kind of a thing, right? Most people didn't have the entry point to it, the cultural cues, or the, quite frankly, the proper frame of reference to understand the inherent struggle that many of us went through that we were mm. fighting out of and, and, and that was represented by our music. Uh, most people took it on its surface, which could very much misinterpret the meaning. And the and the momentum and the movement and significance. Yes, absolutely. Um, but through those years, building up that trust, right? Building, presenting product after product, consistently at a high level, right? Physically, digitally, in IRL, online, mm -hmm. right? With the same product at the same level, I realized that that's all I have to do is look at this burger like an album. And that's you right. I take everything that I did to ensure the album was jamming for people, was a pleasurable ex experience, that people felt they were getting their money's worth, right? And that if they saw it again or heard it again, which is very easy to do with an album. Once you present the album, the album is listened to, and they, they buy it once and they get to hear it time and time again. Food's a little different. Because I've got to make a great album every time I present the burger. Right. The minute the burger isn't what the money, what they feel the money lives up to or the value of what they pay for is, then they stop buying the burger altogether. The same thing with the music. Same thing with the music. Absolutely. I would have a weak album and they don't think I'm living up to the standard that they're holding me to. Because keep in mind, your fans are not only supporting your music, they're literally arguing for you. That's right. Well, they're, they're your brand advocates now. They're your advertisers. Absolutely. And you have to keep that in mind that your product is a representation of some people. They identify mm -hmm. through you. So if your music is A+, plus and they identify themselves through your music, then they feel A+. Plus. That's right. That's music right. Cluster and underwhelming. So much of their identity for young people is tied up into the identity of the artist and the product that they feel underwhelming. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Because all of us, regardless of how properly we're marketed by the companies and corporations that that sponsor us or have signed us or whatever, everyone has to have some level of word of mouth to help get the word out. And so for those words to go from, oh man, this album is amazing. I've never heard anything like it to this album could have been better. It doesn't even have to be that your album is bad. That's right. Been better, right? And, they, and that lack of effort is in your hands. It's in your lap. That's the mentality that I take into this burger. That's, that's the importance of the product that I explain to people in the staff, people that work with us in this company, is that, look, man, everything about me is tied into this burger. You guys mm -hmm. see every day, I'm personable, I'm well-mannered, well -mannered, I'm a hard worker, I'm here when you guys start, I'm here when you finish, you know what I'm saying? But I care deeply about you and this burger. I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do. Just that's right. Care. Just care about this burger. You know what I'm saying? If you don't care about it anymore, let me know. You're welcome to leave. Mm. I don't want to hold anybody here that doesn't want to be here. And I don't want people here that just want to get a check because you can cook burgers. There are a multitude of places where you can cook burgers. That's right. That's right. You know? But this burger and this company is different. If you've worked here, you've seen it, you know it. It's different. And, and, and the model is set up for not only the people 
get paid well hourly with my company, they get tips. There's no other burger place to work at where you get tips. That's right. right. Now, because everything is by card and the system, the automated system allows you to tip. But these people get cash tips. We're a cashless company. The only cash we take in is for tips for, for staff. But in, certain settings, but in certain settings, they earn more money on tips than they do on a daily wage. How about that? You know what I'm saying? Because people feel like when they're tipping my company, they're tipping my movement. They're tipping my culture, right? Mm -hmm. Real. And at the very least, if they know nothing about that, they came to an establishment that offered them great service and courtesy. And they're tipping. <clears throat> look how God works. Because I look at your music legacy and career and how music is very much, uh, it's a language, right? That even if you don't speak the same literal language, you can speak a similar language of music. You look at food. Food for me, I mean, there's a couple of things that are some of the biggest gifts you can ever give anybody. The first one is prayer. The second one I feel like is feeding people, serving them food is such a deep connection of love and appreciation. And I look at the way you just walk through the experience of what you're creating and what you are like infectiously looking for with every reaction of a consumer when consuming your burger. And it's very similar. It's very similar to that. You, this is a language that you are breaking down barriers of languages that we might not all speak the same, but we speak the same of feeling that love and appreciation in, a, in an experience like this of consuming a burger and all the other amazing things that you all are creating. And just hearing you talk about it, it really puts context around the depth of this. Like this is not just a restaurant. You said it. No, this is no. not just no, a no, food it, exchange. It, right? Because I tell people that, you know, in order to come to Trillburg, let's say you live in Houston, the average Houston resident, right? In order to come to Trillburgs, I don't care where you live. You're probably going to pass anywhere from 10 to 20 hamburger establishments. That's right. Before you get to my establishment. Um, we don't offer drive through all day, so you've got to find somewhere to physically park. Our parking lot is somewhat limited, so there's only about 25, 26 parking spots. We get more people than that consistently. So you've got yep. to find a park. It is a, it is a process. It is a journey in order to try to get this burger. The beautiful thing about it is that it pays off. Boom. You know, because you could go through all of this trouble for all, for little or nothing, right? I tell people all the time, you know, they ask me, you know, is your burger as good as you say it is? I said, if it isn't, would I put 30 years into it, blood, sweat, and tear equity into something like this? I said, I don't know about you, but all the hard work that I've done to pay off to get me where I am today, it's not working. It's not working quickly. Mm. I could have bluffed 50, 60, maybe even a hundred K in, in cold, hard cash out of this burger. Right. The jig would be up. That's right. I lose the burger money. In many eyes, I would lose credibility to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, man, I really thought this burger was a shit. Cause you know, when typically when B say it's the shit, it's the shit, you know, that's right. Really wasn't. Now people are people have to take a double take to look at me. People are second guessing my intentions. <laughs> right? My burger's not a, a burger is not worth that. 
this burger I felt was, and I put everything that I had built up into this burger because I felt like this burger could live up to it. And it continues day after day after day to live up to everything that I say it is. And mm. that's other than the fact that I know it, because of the fact that I know that when that burger comes out of that kitchen, the process is refined to the point where I know people are going to have an amazing experience with the burger. I get to play with everything else. I get to have all this kind of marketing fun and branding fun and putting this burger in different spaces. And one of my main goals was right. Well, as a black man, there are so many spaces where we walk into where we're not the priority. Boom. I wanted this burger which typically an afterthought, a burger is not looked at on a high level. A burger is something you eat when you got time, you know, when you're in a rush, if you right. take 30 minutes or less, after a late night where you just got to put something, right? In the stomach, that's right. When you're after two in the morning, you're eating a burger or pizza or something because you got to put something in your stomach, right? No, I wanted this burger to be when you walked into a space where food was, hey, are there trill burgers here? Is trill burger here? Right. I can go anywhere, Aster, into a public space. If I walk in a building, people are assuming there's burgers there. That's right. They that, want, yeah, that's the expectation now. Yeah, they want to believe if they see me that the burgers aren't far behind. <laughs> and I got to be honest, if I was growing up, if I was 20, 25 years old, restless, I saw Dave from Wendy's somewhere, I'm going to ask him for a quarter with cheese, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell people all the time if somebody else asks me if I got a burger on me, like it's just, it's it's amazing. But if that's what I'm gonna be seen for, that means job well done. Yeah, but that's also the power of branding and of culture, yeah. authentic culture. And I think you 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 led you led to another key piece in this conversation when when you talk about black ownership, right? Because now you're an owner. Now you're a black owner. And there is a, a lack of representation of that in America, right? Just not just in the entertainment space, but up across various sectors. So how can aspiring uh, entrepreneurs work towards achieving this similar goal that you're in of stepping into a space and owning it with conviction, even though we're not seeing so much in the spaces, as you said? I think for one, I think all of us know who the entrepreneurs in our media circle are, right? Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial minded, I should say, right? People you know that if given the opportunity um, could take a great idea and run with it, right? Guys that are managers at your local auto shop, right? Which shouldn't be doing as good as the Jiffy Lube down the street, right? But does because it's run well, right? It's run with care and concern not just for the product and the service, but for the employees in the building, all of that comes into play, right? There are so many things that you can, you can obviously speak to this Aster. Going from one industry to another, to another, you have found out by this point in your life, the fine tuning things that work in all those spaces. Right? That's right. Right, that everything doesn't translate, everything doesn't, tran everything doesn't transfer, right? But, the gist of these things, right? The basic meaning behind these things tend to work in other spaces. So you have to know that if you're successful in one space, you can be successful in another space, but not in the same way and not with the same ease. That's right. You go to, you know, you go to a school and you see 
the janitor, right? The janitor can go in every any room, right? And then he has access to all the rooms, but it takes a certain key to get in each room, <laughs> right? You can have all the keys in the world, but every key isn't going to work. Isn't going to unlock every door to every room. That's right. You have to find the keys that work here that can work in other places, right? Well, if I can do this, I could probably do this, 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 or that. Now find one of those four things where your skin skill set lends itself better to. Yeah, the transferable principles. That's right. Absolutely. And then from there, there you just go to creation. If you're an idea, idea person here, you're an idea person, period. That's right. It's just who are you creating the ideas for, right? And how hard are you willing to work to flesh those ideas out? I would argue that if there couldn't be a more important idea to get behind than one that you created and fully believe in, you're willing to lose sleep, lose time, lose friends, lose money. Mm -hmm. I have done all of those and more on the path to success. And I, I don't feel any way about it because I know that I haven't compromised myself, my integrity, right. right? Not to get to the goals. I firmly believe that there is a shortcut to everything right but the the the, the ramifications are long term so the path is short that's the right patience are long i don't mind the long path because typically the longer the path is the quicker we get the obstacles out of the way the quicker we bullshit right figure it out like you know we had money issues early that was great lesson for us we had money issues recently amazing lesson for us because we still haven't even we're, we're nowhere near where we're going. That's right. I would rather have a money issue as a $10,000 company or a $100,000 company. Than a 40 million. Yes, 10 million, you know, seven figure, eight figure, 10 figure company, right? Because the losses are that much more extreme and the people that that affect, the numbers are greater. It's right, it's greater. You know what I'm saying? If, I'm, if there's only 10 of us, then it's, it's very few people. But if I got a, Fortune 500 company, these are thousands of families. That Listen, perspective, perspective is everything and the welcoming of adversity is also everything that you just walked through. I tell people all the time, why would you try to avoid problems? Mm. I want to get the problems out of the way as soon as possible. Hit me in the chest now so you can pat me on the back later. Come on, bro. Yeah, listen, you were on fire with this. And I, I am right there with you. You know, I'm constantly telling my girls, my daughters in their journey of life that adversity is part of your deal. And the more adversity you come across, the farther along you're probably progressing, right? Because if, if it's an easy road, then that means it's not worth the journey. I can guarantee that. So the, the fact that you brought that up in the context of your journey I'm, I'm grateful for that reminder for people to hear it even in this context. And I, I look at, you know, you've been super outspoken in the social and political spaces, which is super commendable, firstly, but can also be detrimental for, for many people, right? How do you use your platform to kind of address these systematic challenges by it, that are, we're faced by as marginal communities? And what strategies do you kind of employ to create meaningful change within it? Well, the first thing you got to do is have a clear, defined hill that you're willing to die. Mm. That's the first thing, right? Like, we've worked very hard. We've achieved a lot in this life. 
Uh, we have a very, you know, comfortable life that we built up for ourselves and the family. What's willing potentially tearing the comfort of that down? Hmm. Right. What sacrifices would we want our children to see so that they would understand the choices and decisions that we would have to make? Right. Then that's the thing. We have to, as black people, be very aware that not only can everything that we built up been taken away from us, that subconsciously we're almost prepared to have it taken away from us. <laughs> and because of that, when every time I ran into any issues with this new, you know, my partners be like, man, this just happened. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to keep going. That's what we're going to do. We didn't we're right. come this far with this product to be like, oh, well, we hit this bump in the road. It's time to go home and turn around. No, we're not going back. We're not turning around. I've been through way worse. That's right. You know, I've had way stronger people with, with worse intentions out for me. And I persevered mm. to stop me from what I'm doing. I'm aware of these issues and we're dealing with it, but I'm not just going to sit home and throw a pity party until I fix everything. No, some of these things we can still do. When the toilet breaks, right, then we get water from the hose outside and we put it in a bucket and we pour it in a bucket, but the, it's going to flush. That's right. Right? We're, it's it's we're, just going to look a little different. Just looks yeah, a little different. But make no mistake about it. We're going to get to it. You know what I'm saying? So I welcome adversity. I welcome challenge, right? Because that's really where you find yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I, I say this all the time to people and I don't, necessarily mean it literally but in fight club there's a there's a scene in the movie fight club obviously from the book as well and the line goes how do you know who you are if you've never been punched in like <laughs> you know what you're made of if you've never been tested that's right you, know you don't if you really don't know what how you're built until you're challenged and for me like my my children my grandchildren they've seen me be successful with music and all of these things, but they weren't necessarily a part of it. The burger they get to be part of. That's right. Building of it. But most importantly, I envision a world where I'm no longer here, where those that are of me, when asked about me, have good things to say. And when asked, when they ask others about me, that they will only hear that I was a good man. Not that I was a great rapper. That That's I had right. Good, good person. I need know that I was a good man. So when I marched, I brought my grandson to march with me for George Floyd. As he gets older, he'll understand the significance of why. Even if mm -hmm. he doesn't hey, but he needs to see that he was there. He needs mm -hmm. to know that he was there with someone that brought him there for a benefit that wasn't of theirs. Right? My grandpa took me to this march hoping that the world would be better for me. That's right. It was not about the world being better for him. He'd already dealt with the world as it was and found his way, but was hoping that he could leave the world better than he found. Those type of things that I want to leave to my kids, because quite frankly, if I don't leave, if I don't leave character lessons, then the money's not going to do them any good any fucking way. How about that? And and you know what? It's funny because you're also a huge advocate on the financial literacy side yes. and, and, and empowerment within the black community. How do you believe the financial education piece can kind of contribute to this much needed generational wealth, you know, sensibilities and kind of fostering our own economic independence? 
to be frank, the majority of aspirations in, in underserved communities of color in terms of money typically are looked at as fast. Right. Right? Like the problems are, you know, people live in a world where they have to have today money. Yeah, microwave. It's microwave as opposed they, to the oven. They have to date money because they can't see far enough for tomorrow money. Yeah. Quite frank, it's not that they don't, it's not that they're not willing to work hard enough, but they haven't seen many examples of, of the value of working hard, right? Like, how does this pay off for us? Because it typically doesn't, right? You have to take all the lessons that you learn from building somebody else's company and then take it to answer yourself to try to build your own. But even if you never get to that, because many of us won't get to that, right? You still got to learn how to manage $5. You don't know how to manage $5 as a child. You can't learn how to manage $500 as a teenager. And when you become an adult, you get five and $50,000. You're not going to know how to manage that either. Financial literacy starts the moment someone gives you money. Mm. Right? The moment you start realizing what money represents and you start to ask for money. That's when financial literacy starts. Whenever you get your first allowance or you start asking for your first allowance. Mm. Start knowing how far money goes. Now, as a child, your money doesn't have to go very far because pretty much everything you spend your money on is for you. Right. right? Totally. Not the same thing as an adult. When you spend money on rent, rent benefits you because you need somewhere to stay, but it really benefits the family. Same things with the energy company, the water company, the gas company, all of these things. So you're paying for things that you want and things that you need. But it at the end of the day, it, it probably benefits someone else more than it does you. Mm. And then trying to figure out how can I play and toggle with that dynamic, right? That's right. Uh, things that benefit me more often. That comes with smart investment, smart saving. Before you can even start a business, right? That just comes with smart investment, smart saving, smart spending, all of those type of things, right? And now when you do in some form or fashion, even if you hit the lottery, if you're already a money-minded person, you already know. If you look, if you're trying to stretch five dollars, that's fifty, five thousand, fifty thousand dollars. You get a million dollars, you're trying to figure out how long can this money last you. That's right. Because for some people, the lottery is the answer to all their problems. Their problem is they just don't have enough money to get all they want. You could never have enough money. Enough money, that part, that part. <laughs> You'll never get enough money to get what you want because you, what you want is based on what you've seen other people have. That's right. You know what I'm saying? But you never see the peace of mind. That, and peace or of don't have. Costs nothing. I tell people all the time, do you know how, you know, a, a, a mansion is a big place to live, right? But a, an apartment, a, a, a shotgun shack is a lonely place if you're not happy, right? Mm. I mean, it's I mean, a mansion could be, can have everything in it and it's, it's just big and empty and lonely if no one's there. And you could be in the smallest house in the world and be with the people you love. Most of us grew up in an environment where we had no idea we were as poor. That's right. That was that's that that was the biggest thing we ever knew. Because when we were young, we didn't lack for things financially, right? Typically, we grew up in an environment where most people had nothing. That's right. Right. So it's not like you went to school with Billy from across town, whose parents dropped him off in the bins, 
right? We all took the bus. We all were on free lunch. We all were lucky if we got polo for Christmas, right? That, that, that type of thing, right? You care more about that money when you have to, when you, when you earn it and it has to last longer. Financial literacy is absolutely key to all people. Yeah. Underserved communities as well. Because for many of those communities, the only way out is fast money. And fast money needs no discernment. It needs no discipline. Mm. It just needs a constant. Mm. People that deal with fast money are not trying to save stuff. They're That's trying right. fast money to figure out how to spend it to get faster. Faster money. Or more fast money. Right? And so you stay in that spiral. You stay in that, in that loop. You will never get yourself out of it. So everybody that wants a bunch of money... You could have a, let's just be real. You could want a bunch of women. Can you satisfy a bunch of women? If you have to take advantage of a bunch of women. <laughs> That's right. That takes a lot, bro. <laughs> the right women. That's right. Boom. Come on, man. So I, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make this relatable to some people. Um, no, 1000. And, and you're, you're hitting it right on the mark. And, and that's why when I started this, I said, I have a fond appreciation and admire, have admired your savviness and your versatility um, in general. And, and I, you know, looking at from your music career to your roles as an educator, a public speaker, all the things, what did you find or do you find the most fulfilling about your multifaceted journey? And how do you, how do you balance all these pursuits? Bro? Because you're such a dimensionalized individual. How do you balance these? I've been able to meet a lot of intriguing influential people in my life that have given me tons of wisdom, inspiration, life lesson, and new goals in life. I want to be one of those people. Mm. Mm. I've realized that, you know, we always wonder like, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life as I have evolved it, right? The way that I've come with it is to live a life that people learn from. That's right. Love that. Like, that works both ways, right? People can look at your life and use it as a model of how to carry themselves and as what to do, right? People can also, at the same token, look at your life as a model how to absolutely not under any circumstances do that. Bro. That's right. So my thing is, is try to be a good person, go all out, be the best person you can be. If you want to be a piece of shit, be the worst piece of shit you can be and let yeah. everybody how terrible a piece of shit you are so that people can be like, I don't care how bad it gets. I never want to be that. That. <laughs> or people can look at you and be like, no matter how good I think I've got it, no matter how much effect I've had on this world, I can always do more. Mm. Mm. You know, part of that it was spot on, obviously, all of it. And I think part of that is this notion of I, I look at you and, and the the power of going independent. And, and betting on yourself, I think, is a part of this example that you're talking about. And I, I ask this question because it's so necessary for others to hear what's possible outside of what they've been programmed to think and do. Talk about the art of truly betting on yourself. And, and you've talked about it already, even from the music piece, definitely on the Trill Burger side, but just even, even deeper, like the, what that means, the significance. I mean, this started for me at home. Right. My, my parents wanted no part of this. My, my mm. mother and father did not want me to do this. So my entire adult life has been betting on myself. 
I literally was given seven days to leave home because I decided I wasn't going to college. I was going to aspire to be a musician, to be a rapper, which in 1991 was not the thing. Was it, not the thing. Frowned upon. Frowned upon. What are you talking it, about? It meant nothing. To me. Yeah. Right. Um, I had no one to point at from my immediate surroundings and be like, I can do it because he did it or they did it. Right. I had no one to point. At. I had no examples. Right. No reference. Nothing. Nothing. And so for me, if it was going to happen, it was because I was going to have to work hard enough to make it happen. And I think that as I go back and I look at my life and my evolution, it's always been about the willingness to work towards something, you know, to try to get to a certain space. Once you feel like you've made it right. Like I'm not, put it, let me put it like this. I'm ready to cater your golf tournament. I'm not ready to, to play in it. <laughs> You're not going to join us, bro. Not yet, man. Not yet. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm at all of them. That's right. Of them, but a lot of those guys, they're on the other side. Yeah. You know, now typically the golf tournaments we go to, those guys are pretty liquid. They don't have to, if, if this is how they want to ride off into the sunset, they, they played it perfectly. I am not as liquid as the Gary Sheffields and the Ken Griffiths and the Reggie Jackson. How about that? I contemporary the DJ Callis of the world, right? That's right. I've still got a hunger for success, I've still got a hunger for accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? But there are so many people that I know take cues from me. They're watching the path I take. That's right. Just to see if it's possible. That's right. That in itself is inspiring to me. That in itself makes me want to get up and do better. But I'm also in a space where I want to learn again. Mm. Right? Like, I have... You are a very lucky person when passion and purpose meets in your life. At the same That's time. right. Agreed. Agreed. Same, right. You're lucky. You're blessed. I won't say lucky. You're blessed if that happens once. Once. Yeah. Right? I'm on number two. Oof. Come on, man. I think I got the third one. Right. Like the more you're willing to risk, the more you succeed. And I don't mean monetarily. Right. The more you're willing to risk, the more you succeed. And so for me, I'm willing to risk it all because I want I want to win big. I want to win in this game. And I know that there's potential for it. I've watched too many people. I've taken the right lessons. I've seen what to do and what not to do. And let's be very clear. I am not speaking like this because I'm all knowing, all seeing. No, no. But you, you're, you're an observer and you've experienced life. You're experiencing life been through a lot of shit i have made a lot of mistakes um a couple of them unfortunately i have to be i'm mad enough to say i made them twice mm. but if you catch me making the third mistake <laughs> on something we really got a problem yeah we've got a real problem you know what i'm saying i have learned from what i did wrong i don't hide what i did wrong because people need to know what not to do that's right well, you also understand that your journey is not just for you. Your journey is for others. And that's the level of significance when you're bringing value to others and just not to yourself. And you're, you're so. You're a parent. Yeah. Right? So once you have children, 
you realize your life is no longer your life, right? You're not doing things for the benefit of yourself. That's right. For me, and this took a while to, to really grasp the totality of, through my music, I have been a somewhat of a surrogate father. 1,000%. Some people out here. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So when I make decisions to go against the norm, jump out the window on some shit, I got to be very careful what my intentions are. No, you got to, there's a responsibility, bro. It really is. With great power, great authority, like Spider-Man, baby, comes with great responsibility. That's right. And if I try something for the wrong reasons, if I try something for the right reasons and fail, that doesn't hinder many people. Right? As long as I get up and try something else, it doesn't hinder many people. But I try something for the wrong reasons and it fails. Now it now it doesn't just it doesn't it now it questions my integrity. My, That's right. And my attention. And a wise man told me a very, very long time ago that man will try to control many things throughout his life. The only thing man can control is intention. Hmm. What you intend to do, right, is is up to you. Situation comes before you, you can intend to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Wrong thing. Doesn't mean you win. Mm. Doing the wrong thing doesn't mean you lose necessarily in that setting. But it That's does, right. does perpetuate a standard. Man, listen. Right? You, you, you have dropped so many poignant um, gems, insight. Um, and, you know, we always end these with, you know, what are the three seeds you would like to leave with the stewards of culture moving forward? And you've, you've, you've shared so many, but what comes to your mind as, you know what, if there's nothing else that you've taken away, which they're going to take away a whole lot from this, what are three things that you think are critical as we look at how our culture is shaped? You talk about when we're gone, Right. What tools are they going to take from us in this moment to be the best stewards of the cultures that we've created and shaped moving forward? That's that's a very, very good question. Um, one, never expect or count on anyone to work harder for you than themselves. The person working hardest for you should be you. Mm. That's the first thing. That way, if it doesn't work, you can sleep comfortably at night, right? Because you know it was on you. If you ever put your dreams, your aspirations in someone else's hands and it doesn't pay off, you'll never forgive yourself. The second thing is, and it, it's applied, it's very close, but it's, it's somewhat different. You cannot count on someone to love you more than you should love yourself. Nor should you. Because... Once that person leaves, your perceived value of yourself leaves with them. Yeah. Your perceived value of yourself has to start before you anyone. That's right. That's right. Because I started in the entertainment industry, which is designed to shape and mold you into what it feels it needs for you and to leave you labeled as it deems necessary. You have to go in with a clear sense of who you are, what you want, and how you see yourself in a mm. way that one, regardless of what room you're in, how esteemed they are, how powerful they are, and what tone they speak to you, that you never feel devalued. Hmm. And if it does come across as someone trying to devalue 
that in spite of what that room has to offer, you will walk out of it. That's right. That's right. The third thing is, I don't care what higher power you pray to, but life has to be bigger than you. Life has to be bigger than you. And there has to be some type of culpability for your action. Mm. Religion, for the most part, sets those boundaries and standards that show you what you're responsible for and the culpability to those things. But everyone doesn't subscribe to modern religion or any type of spiritual thing. So just, just think of a life like this. Every bad thing you do, 10 people watch, half consider, but one will do. Mm. So if you do 30 bad things in this world, even if you got away with all 30, you just created 30 bad people. That's your legacy in this world. Bro, I can't thank you enough for, first off, your time. Secondly, you living your truth and your purpose. And thirdly, sharing it the way that you are and you have. You have been a walking reflection of all these things. I've, like I said, had the pleasure to watch, engage, be a part of at times. And hearing you today, again, is just another indication of why it was so important for me to have you on this, to share with others. So those who have not been able to see this understand what you're able to give and help. Even the last nugget you just gave of, you know, the, 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 the bad things that you do. If you do three bad things, the amount of people that that can change their lives and trajectory. Going back to this level of accountability that we all have in this life, because it's not just about us. You're a walking example. And I just, I truly and sincerely want to thank you for that, bro. No, nah, man, thank you for creating this platform that allows people to really talk about these things and have these these conversations in a safe space um, presented to like-minded individuals who can actually learn from me. That's right. That's you know, right. I, I've, I spent a lot of time giving game, quite frankly, that fell on deaf ears. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I realized in some of the rooms I went into, that isn't really what they even wanted from me. Mm. They wanted a perpetuation of the idea of who they thought they were supposed to be. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? And I just got to the point where it was like, you know, at at some point on this journey, you're going to have to bust some bubbles and step on some toes. Mm. And hopefully people come out better for it. Because in order for me to grow, people had to check me. <laughs> yeah. People had to straight up check me. And I had to be mad enough to eat that shit. Eat it. That's right. That's right. That shit. Because I'm listening to who's telling me certain things. I'm like, he can't be wrong. I may not see it, but he got to know something I don't about this shit. Because That's right. I watched him. You know what I'm saying? And I've the way they him. move. Yes, I've seen how he moved. If he say I'm moving wrong, I'm probably moving wrong and don't even know it. And don't even know it. So I hope that you know, everything that I, I've done in my life, this conversation included, I hope it just leads people down the right path, man. That's all I want. I just want to leave it better than I found it. I love so, it. It's so many that teed it up for me, Ashton. Like, that's how we got here. So many people teed it up for us, bro. We knocked that bitch out the park. I just, right. want, to make, I just want to make sure I'm leaving it teed up. I love it, man. Thank you, bro. Come on, man. Anytime, my brother. I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation.
Love it. We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.